Good morning and welcome to you. We're so glad that you're joining with us as we continue our Advent celebration and this theme, the joy of every longing heart. I wanna start our time together by making a confession to you. And I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to many of you, but still it might come as a surprise to some. But first, I'm Mike St. Dennis. I'm the associate pastor here at All Souls. If you don't recognize me, it's because the last few months my family and I have been away enjoying a time of rest and refreshment called a sabbatical. But we are so excited to be back together again, to reconnect with our community and to connect with those of you who are new, who we haven't got the chance to meet yet. But back to this confession. I gotta confess to you that I am one of those people. I'm one of those people who, who start listening to their Christmas music way too early. And what started on a cold September morning years ago bled into October and September. And just this last year, if you rode with me in my car on the way to work, and on one morning in April or June, you would hear my Christmas playlists. I'm one of those people who puts their decorations up too early and leaves them out too long. I showed restraint this year and they didn't go up till November 1st, but early September next year, maybe come by and see what we've got going on. I am one of those people, and I always have been, who wants to know what's waiting for me underneath the tree. And I don't want to wait till Christmas. So if you can tell me what's there in the weeks or even months ahead of time, I really want to know. You see, my view is why wait to celebrate? Let the good times roll. Why endure the mundane or worse than that pain or discomfort when you can run away to the magic of the Christmas season? Now, some people may say that I'm a bit impatient, but I prefer to look at it as suffering under the disorder of being overly festive. Now, if this was only a problem in, as it relates to Christmas, that would be one thing. But ask the people who I work with, the people who I love, the people in my family, my friends, those who are around me, and you'll see that it's not just about Christmas. See, I'm one of those people who's uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with not knowing. I'm uncomfortable with not being certain. I'm uncomfortable with not knowing what to do or doing the right thing. I'm uncomfortable with not being in control. I'm uncomfortable without having comfort, like many of you. And so there's much about life and the longing part of our theme, the joy of longing every heart, that, uh, that really doesn't sit well with me. And I look for any and all occasions to escape it. I'm afraid of waiting. I'm afraid of dark places. It's even uncomfortable to me when the lights go out at night and I move from the sofa to my bed. Is anyone still afraid of the dark? But Advent teaches us something. You see, Advent isn't just about celebrating the light of life coming into our world. It's not just about the good news of the gospel and God's healing in our world, but it's also about the brokenness and the pain and the hurt. It's about the darkness 
the powerlessness, the fear and uncertainty. When we assume the posture of Advent, we don't just join with those who were waiting long ago. But we join together as we wait for the future, for the second coming of Jesus, when the kingdom will come and all the promises of God will be made true. But we also celebrate a third coming. The reality that God's light and life isn't just coming in the future, and it didn't just come long ago, but that it's coming into our world now. And so before we read our passage Consider this question. Where do you find yourself waiting? Where do you find yourself in the dark today, this week? Where are those dark places where you lack understanding and control, where you're experiencing frustration and fear and sadness and pain for yourself or for others? I want to invite you to turn to somebody and tell them that place where you're waiting and in the dark. And if you're not watching with somebody, I want you to send a message to somebody who knows you and cares for you and let them know where you find yourself waiting in the dark. And while you do that, I'll wait. There's no coffee in that cup. Our passage this morning from the first chapter of John's gospel is not the story of Jesus' birth, but it explains the meaning of his coming to us. That God's intention is to come to a people who are waiting in the dark and powerless to get out on their own, and that he has brought his light of life into the world. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1 as we read verses 4 through 18. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decisions or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself of God, himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father 
has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now, God, we pray that by the hearing of your word and the power of your spirit, that you would shine a light into the dark places in our lives, the places where we are waiting to see your presence, that we would wait in those dark places trusting in you, and that the hope, healing, comfort, and power of the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord, would be ours. Amen. When people find out about my affinity for Christmas music, they often say, well, don't you get sick of it after a while? I could never do that, they claim. And my response to them is always the same. Get behind me, Satan. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Then again, I get what they're saying. That oftentimes things that were once extraordinary to us after a while become ordinary. That which was magical becomes familiar and we lose our sensitivity to it. And that's part of the challenge of walking and coming to faith and growing in the knowledge of what God wants to do. And walking in that light is after a while it can become familiar to us. Just like the words of Christmas in the season of Advent. And so the challenge for us is to remember that it's not in in the hearing of new information that changes us, but in the application. It's not in the hearing, but in the doing, the practicing, the trusting, the trying, that we begin to see more and more the fruit of the truth that God is teaching to us. And so the challenge for our time together is this, as G.K. Chesterton once said, to look at things familiar until they become unfamiliar. To once again examine what appears to be ordinary, to see how extraordinary it really is. After all, the promise that we see in this passage we just read is that God is intent on giving us grace after grace to explain to us and reveal his presence more and more. And that the way this works out, as it says in verse 13, is not by by human means. It's not by our reasoning and rationale, by our human decision or our human will, but it's something that is born of God. And so our prayer for our time together is that God would bear in us the light of Christ to scatter the darkness, to empower us to wait, to be witnesses for his kingdom. One of the saddest realities that's ever been recognized is what we read here in verses 9 through 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's great news. And he was in the world. But though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which were his own, those who should have recognized him. But because they didn't, they did not receive him. The good news of Christmas and the gospel is that the infinite and eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-beautiful creator of the universe through whom all was made and is sustained and will be remade has come near to us. To come into our dark places and the places of waiting, the places where our ability to exercise agency in the world ends, to come and restore us and to fill us with joy. And the saddest truth about that reality 
is that oftentimes we don't recognize it and we don't receive it. Years ago, I was going to get some lunch at a Subway restaurant near my house. I must have fallen on hard times. And as I was standing in line to pay for my food, I was, I was wearing a, a Braves baseball cap. And something you got to know about me, along with Christmas, the only thing I love as much as Christmas is, is probably the Braves baseball. And so I was wearing my Braves hat, paying for my sandwich, and somebody came in and said, nice hat. And my response to them was, thanks, buddy. The cashier in line said to me, do you know who that was? And I didn't know. I didn't recognize the voice. I didn't even turn to look. And when I turned, I was amazed to see Braves Hall of Famer Chipper Jones standing in line. He just complimented me on my hat and kind of inviting me at a time to engage with him. But because I didn't recognize him, I didn't receive this chance to interact with him. And so I sat down in shame eating my shame in a sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwich. Friends, the truth of, of Advent and the truth of all of our lives is not only that God is coming into our world and that he always has and he always will, that he's coming to interact with us every day and in every moment, no matter how broken and painful and uncomfortable that moment is, he is present and accessible to us. But if we don't recognize him in those dark places, we'll never receive him there. Throughout the Bible, we see this story played out over and over again, that God is inviting people to himself, and they don't recognize him, and they don't receive him, because they don't recognize the way that he comes into their lives. You know, the people who were waiting for Jesus were expecting a king to come in power, not a baby to be born in a manger. The religious leaders were expecting someone holier than them to come and to judge all the broken and sinful people. They weren't expecting a shepherd to come and forgive the sins. They were expecting an infinite and immortal, all-powerful God to come in and destroy their enemies. They weren't expecting a teacher to come to lay down his life. So they didn't receive him. They didn't recognize him. And ultimately, they rejected and killed him in the way that he came to them. But still, it's interesting to note the people who did recognize and receive him. It's really curious to see how many people who were battling demon possession came and recognized him in the power he had. To see the people who were sick and hurting and dying, whose loved ones were being lost, that they came and recognized him and received him. To see that it wasn't those who were in power and it wasn't the wealthy, but it was those who were in need, those who were oppressed, those who had been cast out and not valued, the meek, the humble, the poor, the poor in spirit, the sick, the dying, who recognized and received Jesus. And Jesus himself remarks that only those who recognize their sick have a need for a doctor. And so this time of waiting in the dark, in the places where we're hurting, the pain that we have, 
There's a way that God's light wants to teach us to recognize him, that we might receive him, that the light might come in and scatter the darkness. We have the privilege of being in relationship with one another, especially in my job. I have the privilege of walking with people in some of the most tender and sensitive, darkest places of their lives. Just over the last few months to sit with people who have lost their job, people whose marriages are on the rocks, people whose longings for a relationship have gone unfulfilled, who are waiting for a child that is yet to come, to walk with people who are hoping that their children will grow in independence and strength and make good choices, and yet they find themselves in confusing and dark places. Our privilege in relationship is to walk with one another in brokenness, in darkness, to be together and to wait together. And this passage teaches us that God is present with us when we wait in the darkness and that he has much to teach us as his light shines. One of the first things that we learn when we find ourselves waiting in the darkness is we find out some clarity in being able to name the darkness that's around us. You see, it's not just the frustration that once again your, your child is wrestling with their commitment to their work, but it's the bigger question of, uh, of will they have security and identity? Will they grow in their skills? Will they be able to function on their own? The death and loss of a loved one it brings up the deeper question of how will we carry on? What will we do with all this love that we've built up for them? And now to have them taken with us, does God really care about them or about me? When our jobs are on the line, when we lose them or have to make a transition, we say, what will happen to our security to our future plans, all that we've longed for, what will happen to my self-worth and identity when I don't have a means of proving myself to others? What will happen when, when I'm burdened with the needs of other people in the face of so many obligations of my own when I'm afraid that at the end of the day there isn't going to be a enough of me left over and nobody's going to be here to pick up the pieces? God, are you there? Are you listening? Do you have a plan? See, friends, experiences of waiting in the darkness teach us to look deeper than our circumstances, to see our human need, that the joy and potential for goodness that God has created us for results oftentimes in immense longings where we question whether that was his intention all along. Has he betrayed his promises? Where is he and how is he working? And it's only in those experiences of darkness and waiting that we begin to go underneath the surface to ask those bigger questions about where he is, who we are, and what is needed to be done. The second thing that waiting in the darkness teaches us when God's light comes and shines is that it shows us that we are desperate and that we are limited. It shows us that we are not capable of overcoming the darkness and, and fulfilling and satisfying all that we've been intended for in our own strength. 
Now, this is one that oftentimes I wrestle with, and I'm sure you do too. Because for me, I try to find a different way out. To ignore the pain or the darkness, to escape it, to rationalize it away or come up with a better strategy to defeat it. And so I burden myself with with more and more obligations for how to fix my own problems. I cling to these lights of my own choosing to try to navigate the dark places around me. And I end up finding myself more and more lost. But when we wait in those dark places, God can bring us to a place of desperation. To embrace the limitations that he has gifted us with, that he has never expected us to be more than we are, but that he has come into our lives, that he might meet all of our needs together. That he might lead us and equip us and that our limitations are a gift that we reflect part of who he is, but we are not him. And so when those dark places where we're waiting bring us to our knees and we get desperate enough to embrace our limitations, we look beyond ourselves and our own capacity to shine light, that we might receive the light that is from outside. The third and final thing that that God's light teaches us when we wait in the darkness is it teaches us to rediscover goodness. Will you ever take for granted going out to eat? Will you ever take for granted again traveling on a plane, spending time with family or friends and not worrying about what the consequences of being together are going to be? Are you ever going to take for granted going to the grocery store and being able to breathe because you're not encumbered by a mask? I'm sure we'll take those things for granted again. But there's something about the darkness and waiting in that place that helps us to rediscover and see goodness that's around us. Being away for these last few months, I have felt that longing for relationships with other people and and come back amazed at how beautiful and miraculous it is that we get to do this with each other to journey through life, to wait with each other in broken and dark places, to celebrate when the light comes with one another. What an extraordinary miracle it is to have people who know me, who know my challenges with myself, with God, and with others, who know what's going on in my life and the lives of the people I care about, people who are journeying along with me. This is no small miracle. The freedom that we have in our country, the resources that we have in our community to meet the needs of others, these are incredible things. And there's times when we wait in the darkness that God shines his light that we might rediscover goodness. See, friends, we don't receive God's light often because we don't recognize it. We don't recognize that his light can shine in the dark places, that he can do a work in our heart to teach us and shape us and grow us and meet our needs and protect us. When we recognize that he needs to show us and name those deeper darknesses in our life. When we recognize that he needs to show us 
and cause us desperate enough to embrace our limitations. And that we need him to show us and help us rediscover the goodness, the miraculous ordinary that is all around us. The season of Advent, asking these questions about waiting and longing and the darkness that we've encountered this week is an invitation to see the light of life come and shine in our lives. The last thing that that I want to mention as we wrap our time up together is this privilege that we have to walk with one another. It says in verses 6 through 8 that John came as a witness to the light. He wasn't the light. He was just witnessing that there is a light around there, that all might see it, and that the light might shine in their life. When we have relationship with one another and we share those dark places, when we come alongside to wait with others and they wait with us, we serve to testify that the darkness cannot overcome the light, but that the light has come into our lives. When I think about the relationships that we have here at the church, I'm reminded of Moses and the burning bush. You know, Moses comes upon this bush that's on fire and yet it's not consumed, and he hears a voice say, take off your shoes because this is holy ground. When we invite God and others into our lives to the places where we are waiting in the darkness, where we are uncomfortable and in pain and desperate, where the places in our lives where we are on fire, it feels like, we invite people in to that holy ground that they might give witness to the light, that though we are in the darkness, that we are on fire, we are not consumed. The darkness has not overtaken the light. So friends, the way that we practice this week is by naming those dark places. The places where we are frustrated, where we are hurting, where we are confused, where we are afraid, where we are uncertain, where we are limited. To name those deeper places in our life. Then to embrace our limitations, to grow increasingly desperate and dependent upon God and his goodness. To open ourselves up and free ourselves in the rest that we are not meant to fix and change all of these things on our own. To rediscover the goodness that is all around us and to embrace, recognize, and receive the light of life that has come, is coming, and will come into your life. Who do you need to come and wait with you this week? If you don't have somebody who you can turn to to share and wait with you in the darkness, would you let us know because we want to come and wait with you there to be on the lookout for that light to come into your life even as we explore and see the darkness and name it. Who can you share your limitations with or celebrate the rediscovering of goodness? And then lastly, who do you need to come alongside? 
Who are the places, uh, the people and the places in your life? A neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a child, someone who's struggling in your life, who's waiting in the darkness. And how can you come alongside to wait with them? To come inside and to listen, not to fix or to change or to give them a different light, but to come and wait and look for the light with them in your life. Pray about that and receive it. As I close, I want to remind us that the end of Advent in this Christmas Eve celebration that I hope to see you at, we sing the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king, the light of life. And let every heart prepare him room. Even in the dark places, even when we're waiting, even when the light seems to be eclipsed, would we wait for him? For in him was light and life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Friends, we come to this ordinary and familiar meal to rediscover the goodness of grace and the reminders that we have a deep need to be redeemed and healed in our relationships with God, ourselves, and with one another. To embrace our limitation that we can't get there on our own, but to celebrate and remember that God has come to us that the light has shined in the darkness, even as he entered into the darkness for us. As we come to this table, let's pray the prayer together that says, the Lord be with you. Now lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples celebrating the Passover meal and he took bread and after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat of it. In the same way, he took the cup of wine and after giving thanks, he blessed it and gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So together, let us proclaim the mystery of the faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. The light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Eat this bread and drink this cup. Amen. You cannot recall, apprehended.